State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We all can't help but wonder what adventures lie just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is always updating Assistant that can be called on for almost anything. Along with Assistant, Google Maps and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan SUVs have the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. And so in a sense, privilege is the ability to be like immune from the things that black people face, that people of color face, that everybody faces except white people. So I think they object when they think that we're saying like, white people got more money or white people didn't have to work hard for it. No, but a white person can get as far as how hard they work and how talented they are, or even further where a black person doesn't have that, what we call privilege. privilege. Who's invited to the cookout? Michael Harriet will tell you. He's joining us on this next edition of Naked. Are you all about the NBA action? You gotta try Pick Six, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick Six credits when you deposit $5 or more. Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick Six app and sign up with code TBE. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Like, will they score more or less than 30 points or have more or less than eight assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code TBE. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code TBE. The crown is yours. 
One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nissan has a car for everyone. And that means every driver who wants more, whatever your more is, more freedom, more head-turning style, more exhilaration, Nissan has it. Get more exhilaration behind the wheel of the Nissan Z, the sports car built to deliver the most thrilling drive ever. Make more moves with the Nissan Rogue that can switch between power and fuel efficiency at the press of the pedal. If you're craving more adventures with your crew, try the Nissan Pathfinder, the vehicle with the muscle to help you handle the journey. Want more of a rush with your drive? Zip around in the agile and stylish Nissan Sentra. And for a drive that's positively more electric, the Nissan Aria has the perfect combination of raw power and refined luxury. When you want more of what makes driving exciting, from sports cars and sedans to EVs, pickups and crossovers, you can rely on Nissan. Because more is all we do. To get the endless excitement and the more you've been looking for, check out Nissan's amazing lineup. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. 2023 EPA Fuel Economy Estimates. 30 City MPG. 37 Highway MPG. 33 Combined MPG for Rogue S and SV Front Wheel Drive. 28 City MPG. 35 Highway MPG. 31 Combined MPG for Rogue S and SV All Wheel Drive. 29 City MPG. 36 Highway MPG. 32 Combined MPG for Rogue SL and Platinum Front Wheel Drive. 28 City MPG. 34 Highway MPG. 31 Combined MPG for Rogue SL and Platinum All Wheel Drive. Actual mileage may vary with driving conditions. Use for comparison only. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. After six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Celebrities behind the scenes It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story Specific, life-altering events To shape the person that you hear We got a champion and carry champion Hey girl, you did it It's the greatest in sports and entertainment Connected with us Every champion and carry champions To be a champion Got a champion and carry champion Hey girl, you did it Got a champion and carry champion And carry champion Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment Connected with us Hey everybody, welcome back to Naked Today's guest, writer, culture critic and humorist Michael Harriet. If you follow him on Twitter at Michael Harriet, H A R R I O T, you understand that he's extremely funny. A lot of his tweets are conversation for social media. He is, I guess, and I necessarily can't say he invented this phrase, but who's invited to the cookout? He had written about if you were white and you come to a black cookout, here are some simple things you should know. Um, And that has become a very popular, commonly used phrase to describe who can come and hang out with us folks. Um, So everybody's not invited to the cookout. Y'all know that. That saying, when you say it, you might want to give him some credit. Uh, He is hilarious. As I said, a humorist, but hilarious. 
And when I decided to ask him to be on my podcast, it was on the heels of meeting him after the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Uh, I was in D.C. I did not attend the dinner, but I was in D.C. And I was with a group of friends. Uh, You all may know these friends. Angela Rye, Tiffany Cross, Joy Reid, as I have mentioned before. And Michael was at the table along with Natasha Brown. And here you see where I'm getting my my guests for my podcast. Um, And we were at the table having some really intense conversations. And Michael said something very powerful to me about a book that he's writing. And I don't want to necessarily get into the book, but it was something that was extremely powerful. And he'll tell us about it. But he uh, is such a smart man. And he has such a way of describing things and a great storyteller in itself, right? Because you need to be a great storyteller in general um, in himself. And so I really appreciated him sharing what he was working on, what life is about, what he wants to do with himself, and really, truly what he has done over the years. He's currently a senior writer at TheRoot.com, a staff writer on Peacock show, The Amber Ruffin Show. I love Amber Ruffin. Uh, He won the 2019 NABJ Award for Digital Commentary, uh, but he considers, I think, one of his greatest accomplishments to be the fact that Tucker Carlson, Candace Owens, and the National Rifle Association have all said he is awful. So when people are going after you and say that you're awful, that actually means you're doing a good thing. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. They didn't say that, but they do have an issue with him. And that means the work that he is doing works well. So by way of background, we started this podcast <laughs> and then we had to stop and we started and we had to stop. So I thought I'd pick it up where I asked Michael why he considers himself an expert on white people, a peopleologist, if you wait if you will, a white person peopleologist. And I may be saying that incorrectly, but I do love the fact that he considers himself an expert. He's observed white folks and he thinks he has a lot to say on their behaviors and how we also as a culture interact. Um, I think the story is very clear. Michael was homeschooled uh, and his mother said the reason why you were homeschooled is because a black person's humanity can't be fully realized in the presence of white folks. It injects you with a subtle inferiority complex. Wow, 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 wow. The way that I perceive that or the way that I'm able to interpret that is that when you're around people who think they're better than you just because society is that they are because of the color of their skin, you you take that in. You might be hesitant to speak boldly. You may be hesitant to share who you are around them because you believe that they are the majority and they are better. At least that's what society tells you in so many obvious and non-obvious ways. And so Michael's mother was aware. And I think she did a great job by homeschooling him because look who we have. We have this this brilliant mind who is so very funny, so very clever. And in my mind, it's like, thank God. Like, thank God you're here to have these conversations on social media. I'm not a fan of social media. No one really is. But I will say when you have people like Michael Harriet, who often leaves you with entertaining commentary, who says things that we think are super important that we should pay attention to, it's a breath of fresh air. I check a few people's timelines a day and he's one of them. Uh, so sit back, relax, and enjoy Michael Harriet. If you do not know who he is, you are welcome. You are welcome and you are welcome. We pick up at where he is talking to me about being an expert on white folks. It's pretty funny. I think I believe that most people in America have a subtle deference to whiteness that we have just been trained to use um, and accept and and trade in that I never learned. Right. Like, I don't think that I like I just it is not like it is a better thing for me. It's actually caused probably more problems than it has it has been useful, but I never learned that. So I have to be intentional about like learning about white people and knowing like how to talk to them. Because if I if you talk to a white person the same way you talk to a black person, you know, we have this kind of uh, of, of way of talking to each other, way of relating to each other. That's like white people can kind of perceive it as aggressive. Sometimes they can perceive it, uh, our humor as, you know, offensive. And like, you know, I always point out just 
the use of the phrase white people, it gets pushed back, right? Because, and I, I termed it the privilege of individuality, where white people don't have to live with the burden of representing or being a symbol of all the other white people. Like what a white person does is individually representative of themselves and not other but white people. January 6th, I disagree. I, I, I'm quick to say they were all cousins. So you don't feel that that's the case, that people feel that now? I feel like we can, we can give them that same, that same broad stroke that they give black people. You don't think yeah. so? We can, as of late. I, well, I, I, I've always, I've always done it, but I think, like generally, right? Like you don't hear even people on the news say, "Oh, those are white people." At you know, on at the Capitol on January sixth, they'll say they were Republicans. They say they were MAGA people. They, but they were just white people. Like they were more white than they were Republican. Like most of the people there don't didn't identify as Republican. They didn't identify as Donald Trump for supporters. They they didn't have the same kinds of jobs or incomes or families. They weren't from the same part of the country. The thing that tied them together was whiteness. But nobody says that, right? Like we try to kind of skirt around all of the other things because of the thing that I just talked about, that deference to whiteness. We don't make that connection. Like we don't talk to white people like that, right? We don't say like and I, when I say we, I'm talking about the public America in general, right? Like, Not just white people, but all people. Don't refer to white people in a certain way. You and why is that? Because that's what we've been taught. I think we taught ourselves. We kind of learned it inherently, and again, because they kind of set the rules that we abide by. Um, we don't even think of it that way. So you 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 said at a, a young age you were you were the, the the black teacher comes up to you she grabs you by the collar you don't talk to white people that way from that moment on you not even from that moment on but maybe consciously or subconsciously you are aware of how to speak to a white person but not only are you aware you're saying we all are aware of that it's just in us like she didn't slap the awareness into me like I still had I knew that I was wrong. But I still didn't know why I was wrong. I, that's what kind of made me say, I have to learn about, like, I just know what there's a difference in how I talk to an adult. And, you know, in black households, like, we can't talk to adults like white people can. So, you know, I'm always uh, respectful of adults. I didn't know what I had done wrong, right? So I had to be intentional about learning, like, Hey man, like why do how do I talk to these white people? How do I relate to them? Why don't they? Why do like why do when we're in music class do they clap like that? Like why am I? Because otherwise you think that you're clapping. <laughs> what you mean? How, how they? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wait, you know white people clap wait. on the, the one and the three, right? And you like what? Am I? Where am I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you thought you was wrong. So by the way. It's so it's 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 poetic justice. It's so beautiful that you are um, a writer because the way in which you describe things is is so visual. And you're right. You're like, am I clapping wrong? Like, what is it, the whole world seems odd to you? And that's a beautiful way to describe it. Where you're like, am I wrong in this world that we've been that we've been living in? Yeah, yeah. I, I um, and then it is again. It is not like it's been better for me. I I always tell this story about one day. I have a big 165 pound Great Dane and uh, I used to let him outside like, so, you know, to do his business. And one day I looked outside and he was staring like face to face with a coyote. And he was like, you know, I ain't never seen this kind of dog before. Like he wasn't afraid of it because he was too dumb to be afraid of it. And it's kind of a metaphor for how I was like, I was too stupid to fear that wolf, right? To fear whiteness, to defer to it, right? I was too dumb. It wasn't like I was raised better. Like I just hadn't had the exposure to whiteness in the same way my dog didn't have exposure to wolves. And so it was just curious to me more than it was like a thing that enshrined me into blackness. 
And then you you transition. You you clearly are cerebral, a scholar, smart, all of the things. You go to college at Auburn, correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. No? Yep. I went to college at Auburn. I think for many of us who are not as awakened as you were at such a uh, young age with the awareness, especially if I think that's regional. I grew up in California. Racism was at the time very hidden in Southern California. It wasn't very obvious in the school system. So I wasn't as aware until I got to college and I started to read more. Walk me through your experience in college. What was that like for you to have the, the knowledge that you are constantly observing white people and their behaviors in your black world? Well, yeah, it's just, to, you know, my experience at Auburn, first of all, like I, I spoke to a class at Auburn a couple of weeks ago and I told the students like my experience at Auburn is kind of a metaphor for black people's experience in America. But like, I love Auburn. Like, you know, when I watch college football, I'm cheering for Auburn. It hurts when they lose. I love it when they win. And I know it is a racist institution like from the bottom up, right? Like that is the way you feel about it. I don't want to live nowhere else. I built this country. You know, it's where my mother and my grandmother and my great, great grandmother lived. And I know it is a racist country, right? Mm-hmm. And like, so that was my experience at Auburn. I was like, it was my first time being arrested for, uh, like that was in the nineties for uh, organizing a protest against a confederate, a confederate parade. So, you know, um, when I was at Auburn, I just, it was just more exposure to whiteness, but it also kind of, uh, you know, exposed me into, prepared me for the world that I, I was going to eventually live in because I had grown up in that cocoon in South Carolina where I was surrounded by black people. And even if I, when I was in school, I could always come home and still be in that black neighborhood and still be in that black family and still go to that black church. But there was no refuge when you're out in the world, except the one that you make for yourself. So, you know, it prepared me for the rest of the world um, and for the rest of my life. And I love it. And again, I know what it is. Mm. You love it and you know what it is. Is that the the way that you would describe the relationship Black America has with America? Well, I don't know about love, right? So we love, because I don't, you know, when people ask me if I love America, like, I don't even know what they are talking about. Like, are you talking about like the patch of dirt that, you know, people have drawn a border around um, or the people inside of it, like that I, most of which I've never met? or the idea of America that like, we don't have access to that liberty and justice for all stuff. We don't have access to that. All men are created equal or like, so I don't know what they're asking, but I think with black America, you know, I think our relationship with this country is that, you know, it's like when you live in a house and you know, the roof is leaking and the you know the floorboards need replacing and it the plumbing is messed up but it's your house right like you pay the rent you lived here you this is where your grandmother lived here and so it'd be dumb for somebody to tell you like you might as well just go find another house just like you know of course i know you being in the media have heard all the time if you don't like it you know why don't you leave go so, back to yeah. africa yeah but, go back to africa yeah but you know, the truth is, right, like we built this place as much or more yeah, mm-hmm. than than anyone else. And so our relationship with it is like this is our house. Right. And we know like just because we know the floorboards are leaking and we need some work done to the plumbing don't mean that we want or hate this house. I, I, you know, it's so fascinating as I listen to you talk and, and very much the same way in following you on Twitter and social media. And a lot of people follow him, Michael Harriet, if you haven't, you, you probably know who he is. He's invented a lot of, I think, you know, Twitterisms, colloquialisms, blackisms, whatever you'd like to say that we use often. But when I think of, of a young Michael in the South going to Auburn and taking in all your experiences from such a very, um, such a, I don't know if it was analytical, but you were very aware. And that is a, that's a gift that some people don't have. 
Could you have seen what your life is today, graduated from college and entering the world? Meaning, did you know that you'd be a voice? Did you know that this would be the work that you would do? Because you've had many a job, but this is the work that you have been chosen to do. Was that, did you sense that early on? No, well, when I went to college, I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to be the next Spike Lee. And I don't even know if it was, I again, growing up where I grew up, I didn't think of blackness as something, Rare. or yeah, or even a thing that like like there were different kinds of people in the world that I was one of the blackness, but I didn't think that I would even be talking about race this much because I didn't think that it would interest me because. Like, you know, the more I was exposed to white people, the more interesting they became to me, right? Because, again, our history is our history. It's just, you know, our collective existence in this country. But a lot of what we are and who we are is framed in its relationship to whiteness. And that is the thing that is always interesting to me. And But I didn't have any idea of, because like I have, like really bad ADD. So I had a million things that I wanted to do before I got here and still want to do. You use the word interesting a lot when you talk about you, when you're interested in white people. What does that word mean to you? Why are you interested in their relationship as framed next to ours? What's interesting about white people in general? So when I say interested, I would probably say that it means fascinated. And the most fascinating thing to me is the default position that what they are is not part of a collective. Like, that is fascinating to me. Like, white people do not think, like, they are typical. Like, if you say white people to the average white person, they kind of respond the same, right? Like, there are, like, having done this work for years, like, there are a bunch of things that, regardless of what their political ideology is or how progressive or conservative they are, like, they are always respond to something with not all white people. They always want to tell you how they are not privileged. They Like, they always think of themselves individually. And that is fascinating to me that, like throughout the history of this country, we've we've faced the same thing over and over, and it's circular. And, and we like we're doing seeing now, like with CRT, the same thing that white women did with the Lost Cause movement, and the same thing they did. And it is so predictable for people who believe that they are individuals. And that idea is fascinating to me that they are like they made themselves on their own and they pulled themselves from their bootstraps and that you can believe be whatever you want in this country if you just work hard. And I, it's not just not true for us. It's not true for anybody. Right. And the idea of what people believe with no evidence is fascinating to me. It okay. like it strains credulity to believe what most people believe with no evidence and more evidence to the contrary. Their individual mentality and their perhaps lack of understanding of their privilege. Like, I don't believe many of them think they're privileged. When you talk yeah. about being privileged, they think that means money. They think that that means access. They think that means resources right off the bat. But it just means opportunity in my in my case. They will have a different opportunity just because they are white. Right. I think the reason that they don't understand privilege, and I understand why they don't like the word or why they can't grasp what it means, because what privilege is really is the ability to exist and succeed just based on the laws and the circumstances that America affords you. So it's not like they don't consider it a privilege that they won't 
be subjected to incarceration unless they break a law, right? Like that, mm-hmm. they don't consider that privilege. So when they see black people and the rate of incarceration, they assume like that that must be because a lot of them are criminals, not because like like white people, like you cannot convince a white person, even though there's mountains of data that white people use more drugs. And it is, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just a statistical fact that it's been documented year in and year out. And the disparity is increasing because, you know, with marijuana being legalized in more states, then it's not considered a illegal drug. And so the, the rate at which white people use illegal drugs versus black people, because a lot of that illegal drug use when it relates to black people was marijuana. But you cannot convince white people that white people use more drugs. And like 3.5 times more black people are in jail because of drugs. So they assume. Sure. So they so so they assume that it is because, you know, we must use more drugs or they can't see that it is a privilege to be able to use drugs and not be thought of arrested or a criminal or ruin your life or the heathen thug all of the things or even suspected right like like you know most black people like you know you meet a 24 year old white person and i mean this i'm talking statistically and anecdotally and they'll say yeah i've tried mushrooms before and i've tried ecstasy before and i tried cocaine a little couple times when i was in college and like you know Maybe a black person might have smoked some marijuana and got drunk in college. And that's probably the extent of it. But like, I've never seen in my life somebody use cocaine. But like, it's very common in the white community. Yeah, very. And they and and they and they talk about it very cavalierly. Yet and still smoking weed was, you know, illegal and black folks had to go to jail for it. And it, apparently it's just a flower. But I, 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 I absolutely agree with you. So they can't understand privilege and you understand why they can't. You've enlightened me when it comes to that. I still consider it entitlement, but I do understand because it's just been their way of life. So here's my theory on that. I hear a lot of times when brothers are talking about, yo, when we date a white woman, she don't give us these headaches. She's lighter. She's easier. She doesn't trip on me. She's not yelling. She's not fussing. And I was like, what has been her experience? If she grew up with her mom and her dad and daddy was taking care of everything and she don't know nothing about bills and she don't know nothing about not making ends meet and living check to check and she's and they had college paid for and everything was always taken care of, she is entering the world lightly because that has been her experience. So yes, she might be a little more easygoing and yes, she might be willing to take more nonsense than your average black woman, but we don't consider that either as a people. Like that bothers me when we have these comparisons and you're not even thinking as a black woman what we've been through. All you see is the end result. Right, I I think, you know, you can see a lot of that, like, a metaphor for privilege to me is like gender, right? Because what white people, what we consider privilege is not like something white people are given. It is just that they are not subject to the same conditions that black people are. And I use the example of like, so I travel a lot. Wait, 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 hold on. You said privilege is not something they've been given. What do you mean by that? I want to make sure I heard you correctly. So, yeah. So, so here's an example, right? So I travel a lot, right? So when I want to, you know, I'd like to roam around cities and I'll go out to eat by myself and I'll go to dinner by myself. And I never thought of it until someone explained it to me. Oh, you know, like a woman can't do that. She just can't roam around the streets by herself. Now, because I am a guy in this world, like nobody cleared the streets of all you know, made the streets clear or gave me some kind of extra muscle to make it, you know, safe for me to walk down the street. We just live in a world where people attack women more, right? So it's not like I have an extra thing. It is just that this world tasks women and make this world is less safe for women. And that is the same thing with whiteness, right? Like 
white people don't have an extra freedom of speech. They just get to say what they want to because everybody's supposed to get to say what they want to, but they are the only ones who are subject to the Constitution. They are the only ones who, you know, get to carry a firearm um, and practice their Second Amendment rights because I know that if I get stopped by a cop and I have a gun on me, I might get killed, right? So the Constitution affords everyone the right to carry a firearm except that it puts me in more danger and it protects them. And that's what as privilege is, is, right? As is the case with the woman who can't walk around at night like right. you can. And, and so in a sense, privilege is the ability to be like immune from the things that black people face, that people of color face, that everybody faces except white people. So I think they object when they think that we're saying like white people got more money, or white people didn't have to work hard for what they now. But a white person can get as far as how hard they work and how talented they are, or even further where a black person doesn't have that, what we call privilege. Mm-hmm. I, well, it's interesting if you put it that way, especially using the, the man and the woman analogy and, the, and how white people's privilege is just what the world has been. So that's what they get to get away with. Men can walk around at night, women cannot, but women can be attractive and use their femininity to get what they want. So everyone takes advantage of their privilege in some some form or fashion. The problem, though, is that with the white privilege, it leaves inequity, it leaves death, it leaves everything else behind. I can't say that the privilege that we're all afforded in different ways does the same. Right, right. And the other thing about the white privilege is the barriers that they have structurally put up to protect that privilege right it is like like whiteness like you got to pay a higher interest rate at most banks just because you're black and it's not like the white person at the bank is protecting whiteness it is just that like he doesn't have to do anything because he lives in a country that has already been structurally designed to do it for him. him. We got to take a break. Pay the bills you understand. We'll be right back on the other side. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Connected with. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We all can't help but wonder what awaits us around the next corner. What new roads are left to be discovered? What adventures lie just over the next ridge? Push beyond your current limits and find out. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is always updating assistant that can be called on for almost anything. Whether the adventure is about the destination, the journey itself, or both, your SUV will match your tenacity mile after mile. And no matter how far you wander, you'll remain tethered to home without the need to connect your phone. Along with Assistant, Google Maps and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Every single one of Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to take you where you want to go. The world is waiting to be discovered. What are you waiting for? Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Smart journalism. 
fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. That girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Get naked, we Hey, everybody. Thank you for being patient. You're good. You're good to me. And I appreciate you all. We have more with Michael Harriet. I love the idea of talking to you about what makes you you and you giving me all of these gems, which is for free because you do that on the Twitter. Um, but I'm going to tell you, you tweeted something um, that I thought was interesting. And I want you to talk to me about that as we are on the subject of this, this freedom, this, this constitution, if you will. So the tweet was, Henry sent it to me, Elon Musk is to free speech what America is to liberty and justice. What does that mean? Yeah, so, you know, Elon Musk is supposed to be a free speech proponent. But like, when we talk about free speech, it's kind of like that Second Amendment right that we talked about and you know, these things that we've been talking about earlier. Like, they really mean that in the context of whiteness. Like, we know Black people can't say or do what they want to. And when we talk about free speech, you got to realize it, all, it also means protests, the right to a civil. And we know, like, we thought of violence if we protest, you know, peacefully. And so when Elon Musk talks about free speech, he's talking about free speech for people that look like him, for white people. In the same way that when we talk about liberty and justice for all in America, right? We know that we have never been afforded that opportunity or that that privilege to be subject to justice. Um, the data in the criminal justice system shows it. Um, and every statistic since the beginning of this country proves that we've never had liberty, you know, quite literally liberty. Like, you know, for the, most of the history of this country, black people have been enslaved or subject to Jim Crow. Right. Like mm -hmm. we had like 75 years in our belt of kind of quasi liberty. But that's what America is. And like we teach our kids to stand up in school and, and say that quote in the same way. Like we believe that Elon Musk is fighting for freedom of speech, but he's he ain't right. But again, because of whiteness, he gets to be the yeah, he gets afforded the ability to that people believe what he says, right? Like he can say things, and if he says it over and over again, it becomes true. Okay, so we all knew. I had Marianne Williamson on my podcast, and she said, "If somebody shows you they're a jerk, they're a jerk." I don't know why we don't believe them. We they they have said, white people have said, we're getting Trump back on social media. We're going to put him in office. He's about to be the president again. They have not lied. They have, they have said to us very clearly what it is. In this illusion of free speech that he says he's giving, is there a point where you believe, and you know the Constitution, you know what people's uh, rights are, that we should be taking away Donald Trump's privilege to be on social media because of his way of being on social media? So, well, you know, constitutionally, this, having, like, this doesn't have anything to do with the Constitution, right? Like, Twitter is a company and people who own a private company, okay. 
have the right to decide like who uses their stuff and who doesn't. Um, okay. And do you know they can set a set of rules, and as long as you abide by the rules, you can you can use the product. Um, when it relates to Donald Trump, though, like, I don't. Again, with no evidence at all, I don't know why we don't think white people will do what they did, what they just did, right? Like, like Biden barely beat Donald Trump, right? Like, it was a big electoral college victory, but it was close. Like, it was like a 1% chance. And more people voted for Biden than anyone in the history of this country. So unless more people come out to vote than anyone in the history of this country again, it's crazy. It's almost a given that Donald Trump, if he decides to run, will be president again. And it's because of white, like he don't he doesn't have a political platform. He doesn't have uh, uh, ideology. All he does is appeal to whiteness, and the idea that. It won't happen again. I I hadn't seen any reason why it wouldn't, and I don't I, I don't see any reason why like the Democratic Party could motivate people to to get out there and do this again. Or I don't see why we're letting him back on social media. I don't see why this is even a conversation. I don't see why the the same old tactics are still being used for a war that we didn't even win. But I do, I do want to ask you this because I think it's important. Uh, like I said, while listening to you, I'm learning so much more. I'm hearing so much more. And that's just you hold audience and people want to pay attention. Um, you talked to me a couple of weeks ago about a, the book you're working on. And I know that people know of it as well because I went on Amazon. They were like, you can pre-order. But tell me about your your book that you're writing um and what do you believe it will serve as for the for the culture yeah so the book that i'm writing is uh well it's finished now it's called black af history the unwhite story of america and it is just a different way of looking at history from the perspective of blackness and it is not uh you know, it's kind of in the vein of every history book you've ever read. So, for instance, when you read about, you know, the people who settled America and you read about the English and the French and the Dutch who settled New York and the Spanish who settled in in Florida and Georgia. And then, you know, when they talk about the slaves, they say the Africans. Like, like they don't have a past. They don't have a they, uh-huh. like, they didn't, like they didn't know where they got them from. Just like, the just, Africans. Just the Africans. <laughs> well, you know, I think this book, one of the funny things that we do in this book is that like we just refer to the white people as the white people. Right. So as much as possible. Right. So when we talk about, you know, the people who were in who came like 40 percent of the enslaved people in america came through south carolina but we know where they came from right because we know that they went specifically to what they call the gold coast like sierra leone and uh the gold coast of west africa because they had the intellectual property to grow the first cash crop in america rice so we know like these some of them we know where they came from we know where the gullah culture came came from so we uh, you know, like we, we talk about the Stono Rebellion, we call Jimmy, the guy who uh, started the Stono Rebellion, we call him an Angolan, he's not a, just an African, right? And he was fighting the white people, right? And so uh-huh. when the white people came over here, like we refer to the Native American people by their indigenous names, not the uh-huh. Powhat and all those names that white So you just came. like white people one, white person two, white person three, white person four in the book. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you think about it though, if you are black in America, like in 1823 or in 1786, it was just white people, right? Like mm-hmm. you didn't know, you couldn't differentiate between the English and the Spanish or the slave owners and the the, uh, the abolitionists. It was just all a bunch of white people. You read from them all. And so, uh, you know, the book is funny. The book is, it starts, you know, in the 1500s and takes us all the way up to 2020. 
and it's a complete, you know, not everything, but it is a complete, like a, it's created like a social studies textbook um, and the history of Black people in America. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I can't wait. It'll be funny and also educational. I also, before I let you go, uh, y- y'all don't know this through listening, but we've been working on this podcast for five days. We finally got it ready to go. <laughs> We were we ran into some issues. We was trying to do it for five days, and I and I've kept him here twenty four hours a day for five days talking on this podcast. Meanwhile, um, seriously, the question that I was going to ask you, um, which relates to invited to a cookout, right? Invited to the cookout. What? Where do you get your your questions from that that go viral or always get the get the response that they do? Who we all can't come to the cookout. Everyone is taking a version of that. And I want to know, you know, is it that, you know, my legend tells me you created it and, and you've been able to use it and let other people reproduce it. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So invited to the cookout, like literally started when I was living in Alabama and couldn't go home for a Labor Day. And I uh, just like wrote this piece on like, well, you know, just giving people the rules for what to do at a black cookout. It was the Caucasian rules to black. Uh, barbecues and and so you know the the premise was like a what if a white person was invited to a cookout and so like really i don't i get like the premise of all of the, that stuff that people think is funny goes back to the beginning of this podcast right like if you are raised where blackness is normal and you have to explain what is yeah. normal to white people uh-huh and like it sound it, it's comedy but it's based in truth like white people oh, yeah. don't know that their food tastes funny because they <laughs> used to eat like <laughs> like bro you can't <laughs> yeah like you don't <laughs> you know you remember that video that was on on social media <laughs> about these people, like the, the woman was confronting her daughter because she tries something new with the macaroni. And she's like, you can't oh. be trying that new at Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Don't play with Thanksgiving. At, don't play yeah. with macaroni and cheese at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. But and, I, but what were the, what were the rules? What were the rules that you were giving to the, to, and the fact that you said Caucasian, that's even more hilarious to me. Mm, what were the rules yeah. that you were giving to the white people? Like, you know, it was, it was basic rules like, if you black, they don't seem like that even interesting. Like you got to know like the protocol for when you can even get your plate, right? Like, first of all, it's deacons and the preachers and then it's the older Correct. people. And they like, you Correct. can't just be 13 years old and just walk up to the front of the line. You can't, and get your, you don't get, you don't get snatched. You, get your plate. you ain't even <laughs> old enough to get food with a bone in it yet, right? Like you can just hot dogs and in hamburger yeah, age. That's right? it. That's it. Right. Like, oh, <laughs> or when somebody going into the trunk, like they're not going to get a gun, bruh. They're going to get some look if they come out with a brown bag. Right. And then, you know, like the later it gets, right. You know, you know, when the end of the cookout is because they're going to start playing like gospel music. Like they can play like, but when they, when they start playing some good church music, it's about every time. It's about time to go. Go Don't home, go. right? Yeah. Like, and you can't curse at a cookout, except though, if you on the spades table. Now, that's it. The spades that's table it. is like a, a cone of of offensiveness that like mm. is protected at the cookout, <laughs> right? And so, and then like like white people don't know like why white like it's like like someone literally asked me one time like why does everybody have a white towel like what does that signify like no you don't know what a sweat rag is bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to think about like you know that would seem kind of funny if you didn't know what it was yeah so, um, yeah but why we always got to explain us well, how come they don't know us the same way you fascinated by them how come they're not fascinated by us and want to know us yeah but the thing was like i was really giving some comedy for black people like white people really didn't they not yeah, gonna learn us from from an article but it is funny to for black people to think about like how white people think about it. Because it was really an article about white people. Like white people don't put seasonings. Like they just pat they hamburger patties and put them on the grill. <laughs> they got no seasoning salt. Like what are you doing? But you, 
you can't explain that to them because it's fine. It's fine to them. Yeah. You know, they don't yeah. understand like you can't eat from certain people's house because they don't, you know, wash their chicken oh. off good. You cannot eat from certain people's house. You can't spend the night at everybody's house. You who made the potato salad? Yeah. Um, and I oh your daddy's little girlfriend made the greens. I don't want them. Like you have to be a certain age to make a certain type of green. I was with Jamel Hill the other day and she was like, Come over, I'm making greens. I was like, You're not old enough. She just it didn't feel right that she was making greens. She did a good job, but I was just like, I what what are you putting in them? You know, is it a fat back? Is it what we want just turkey meat? What we doing? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I really feel like you can't, like you can't make a, a green or a macaroni until you've been inducted into. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if there is an age to it. Um, as much as you had to have spent enough time around hours. women. Yeah. Did you put like your 10,000 hours in? I'm yeah, with you. And you got to you got to be have spent 10,000 hours with somebody who had like maybe 33 peppermints in their pocketbook. And, yeah, uh, correct. Big Meemaw's right. little cousin, Sissin. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. I don't know. Like I had to see what the size of your Bible is before. you. Because <laughs> uh, like if you got a regular like Bible, if you can't. But nah, bro. And I got to see how much you highlighted. In it, see, I, I need all of that. I need to do a forensic search of your Bible because I need yeah. to know one how big it is, what, what mm-hmm. pages are written in, what are high because this tells me how well and how close you are to God and how good your mac and cheese and greens gonna be, correct? Yeah, right. Like, you I'm, like, yes, I, you can't let somebody cook your greens just like you can't let anybody pray for you. Like, you, you gotta, it's like that's the same <laughs> kind of category, right? You gotta. Prayer and greens, that's the same kind of quality. They got to be qualified. I, yeah, I don't want your prayers. I'm all set. Shit go wrong if I have it. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Michael, thank you so much. You've been a pleasure. Okay, so really quickly, everybody follow him on Twitter. And and your and your thought processes, and I want to make sure I understood what you said to me. Um, your questioning, your train of thought comes from just the fact that you're interested and fascinated by them and you're and and that's how you're able to have such a good conversation with so many people and have different different takes on the world when it comes to whites yeah because blackness is normal and whiteness is something that you have like that i have to investigate and see why because it kind of don't make any sense (laughs) it don't make no sense (laughs) are you gonna get me fired what are you Not really. I own it. Um, <laughs> it don't make no sense. It does it in a lot of ways. It does it. Uh, which yeah. is why I appreciate you being so light and funny and talk and celebrating us because quite frankly, we need to celebrate us and, and we do trauma. I mean, when I tell you we are the funny, don't you think black people are the funniest people? We are the oh, funniest people. Yeah. Well, we, we invented like the American form of comedy and we, like, we're definitely the funniest people on the planet because you gotta be able to laugh through all of the stuff that they've subjected us to and still survive you know just think about how much you you can't just concentrate on the trauma yeah and you got to make fun of it because we really need to laugh more than anything Uh, michael harriet i i can't wait to come down to visit the new house that we talked about that's offline now that I have your number. I'm ready to come down from my, my B&B and live my best yeah. life down there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us on Naked. Uh, thank you for having me. Black AF History, the unwhitewashed story of America by Michael Harriet. You guys, go out and support. Seriously. Uh, pre-order, order. Do all the things because Michael is truly a gem for us. He gives us a very comprehensive and very hilarious version of American history that talks about black folks in the history of this country. I, I just had this conversation with a good friend of mine. I said, when I when I was in school, history went like this for, for black people. It was slavery, then Martin Luther King Jr., then Malcolm X, then we free because <laughs> we got Obama as he was our president. That's not how it works. The erasure of our contributions to society are long gone. And it's nice to know what we did to build this country, to be active and informing what this country is today and how it is ignored, ignored, forgotten, erased. 
I also suggest to you, Before the Mayflower, that's another good book, to read about our contributions to this country. Because I went to public school and everything that I want to know about the contributions of African-Americans in society must be learned on my own. When I got to college, I started to read more and more because I was a free thinker. I didn't have to do what I was told. And I encourage you, there's still time. And if you don't like reading, go ahead and get a book on tape, right? Book on audiobook, audiobook, book on tape. How old am I? Uh, so please support Michael Harriet. He's hilarious. But most importantly, what I have been telling you over the last couple of weeks is just get activated. Everyone contributes in their own way. Make sure that our stories are told. Make sure that your story is told. Control your own narrative. Um, and that is us saying no to what society has fed us and us saying yes to the reality of what it truly is. That is the only way we can change the game. And I hope that you've been inspired and motivated and activated in some form or fashion today by listening to Naked. I appreciate you all. Back next week. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.